This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 181. Hello, veterinary friends. It's Dr. Julie Capel, and uh, this week on the podcast, I have another very special guest. I am recording from my veterinary hospital today, so it might sound a little bit different. I am in one of the back surgery rooms, um, but I had a scheduling conflict, so I ended up here. My guest today, who I'm very excited about, is Donna Tashjan, and she is the founder of Vibrant Living International. She is a life mastery coach and has been speaking and coaching for 25 years, and we chatted a little bit before this podcast, but I'm really excited to get to know her with you. Welcome to the podcast, Donna. Thank you, Julie. It is my pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm excited from what you gave me the little introduction about what you do, and I think it's going to be really helpful um, for the listeners. Tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself. I, I already have a question in my head, but I want you to just give me, give me a little bit more of an introduction if you, your history or whatever you want to tell us. Sure. I uh, had a difficult childhood um, to summarize it rather than going into a lot of detail. But um, at the age of 14, I became pregnant. And at 15, I am a mom. Wow. Um, and it, it wasn't consensual. So that tells enough about the whole, there was, um, a lot, a lot to that story that I tell in different places, but for today, just to give you an understanding that I faced some adversities, um, I faced, uh, rejection and low self-esteem and I had a lot to be angry about. And if you remember when you were 15, you feel whatever you're feeling like 200%. (laughs) Sure, right? You haven't haven't quite gotten to the point where you can control any of that. So yes, so that, um, so I'm I'm 18 with a three-year-old, you know, just to give you an idea. Um, By the time I was 18, I had my own apartment. I was working full-time and going to school one night a week um, while raising my daughter. Wow. So, um, I had a lot of drive (laughs) to prove people wrong. Um, and so, you know, maybe a little bit of fire and, you know, they blame my hair on it, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it, it, you know, I say all of that and we're laughing, but to describe those years and to say, I can't find the adjectives hard, just doesn't cut it. But the things that I have learned over the years to be able to deal with overwhelm, low self-esteem, anger, rejection, shame, um, all of, uh, things not going the way you planned, you know, what 15 year old doesn't want to go to a prom. Actually, they were pretty, most people tell me they're pretty lame, but everybody wants to go to one. (laughs) But when you're that age, you think that's the thing to do, right? That's the thing to do. And how many have to deal with a, with a child, a young child? Yes. And so all of that, and I did raise her and, um, um, you know, so just to give you an idea from my background of, 
I've always had a passion to help people be the best they can be. No matter what I was doing while I was raising my other children, I've founded several nonprofit organizations and just always in volunteer capacities and other capacities have had, just had a passion to help people to rise above adversity. Um, it's, it, uh, someone asked me today, how do you feel when people are believing the labels that have been placed on them? And they said, does it frustrate you? And, and I paused and I'm like, no, that's not a strong enough word. When I see a woman, a man, not living to what God created them to be, but some label or circumstance, I am angry. And I want to be able to shine the light so that people can see who they really are or who they really can be and help them see that so the light can shine and they can have a great life. That's, that is amazing. When you say that to me, it makes me think of like, where do you think that came from? Like, it doesn't sound like that's something a 15 year old would think about or have that kind of wisdom. Do you think you had it from that age? Or do you think part of your circumstances that you went through fostered that in you? Like, where do you think that kind of resolve and strength came from? Well, I think I felt this way, but would not have known how to articulate it. Okay. Um, at the, at that age, so it was um, in you. It was in me, and I believe it's something that God has called me to. Um, I found myself often in situations where I was, uh, I would have just called it a conversation because coaching wasn't a thing then, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I never heard of it. You know, it wasn't a thing. Not um, life coaching. I heard not life coaching. You know, there was all kinds of other coaching. Yeah, life coaching wasn't really a thing, was it? No. And so I would have just called it a conversation, but I would have found, I found myself in repeated situations where I was giving people advice and helping them and they are much older than me than I was. And I knew where my wisdom came from because the only way I made it through that was my relationship with God. Right. That's my foundation. Right. And that's why I, I give credit to the amount of transformation that occurs through Vibrant Living's um, different programs is because of that. I know where my source is in being able to help people and it's my strength as well. Wow. That's, that, that is cool. Well, I know you don't know a lot about our profession, but you did tell me that you're a pet owner. Yes. So being a, being a pet owner, you know something about our profession. And, and it seems that right now in our profession, and, and probably for many more years than, than we've been talking about it, there's been a lot of stress. There's been a lot of um, just we deal with public at their best and their worst. Yes. And so what kind of things would you talk about to veterinarians that are listening that would be helpful based on what you know and what you've been teaching for all these years? Does that make well, sense? I, yes, I am imagining that you are going to work and your schedule is way overloaded and you're probably a short of staff. And then you see, and then you see someone on their worst day 
and it's all your fault. And so you're stressed, you're understaffed, and the person is blaming you and you're already, you know, not at your best in that moment. And all of that is, I don't like the word perfect storm because it's a storm, but it's not perfect. (laughs) And being able to uh, walk through that with some grace and strength was, would be some tips that I would like to share on how to facilitate in that moment is um, number one is how is your personal self-care? Okay. Yeah. We talk a lot about self-care because it's really a hot topic in today's society but it's always been a thing that was needed <laughs> and mm-hmm. not often talked about. Right. Um, and that means a lot of different things, but how do we do that when we're working a 12 hour day, you know, or I don't, I don't know what your schedule is like, but I'm guessing that that's a good possibility that there is some days where they're 12 hour days. And Donna, you're telling me to take care of myself. I can barely drag myself to bed and eat. A lot of my clients have that problem. It's just like, where do you put it in to your day? And many times our days aren't predictable. Like today I'm here when I wasn't supposed to be here, you know? So, yeah. So it is finding very short ways. I mean, you may have said this before, but finding very um, short windows to take a moment to close your eyes, take a breath, recharge and eat some food. (laughs) and eat some food, drink some water, those kind of things. Um, So that would be my number one. I'm sure you talk about self-care and it's just knowing that the better we take care of ourselves, I think we're really beginning to realize this more as a society rather than feeling guilty for self-care, especially women. I I don't know about when men men necessarily, but I know women do. And the idea of I can take care of a lot more people with a cup, my cup full than my cup empty. And so um, putting, I mean, if you, if you had to work surprisingly today, try to adjust your schedule later on in the week and do something that recharges you, whatever that is. So self-care is number one. And you, you, this may be, um, quote, common sense, but it's important to realize that when someone's having a bad day, no matter whether it's a person with an ill pet or a family member that's having a bad day and they're taking it out on us, that it's rarely about us. That's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. We take everything so personally and, and yes. we remember it and we hang on to it. You know, if, if a client snaps at us, or yells at us or says we did something wrong. It, it really gets embedded in our brain and we hang on to it. And they may have been upset in the moment and they moved on and then we live with it for years. One of the things that I, uh, is realizing that my emotions are not truth. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that is a lot of times we feel even, even, you know, they're mad at me 
they don't like me or something like that. And it may be, yeah, we make up a story. It may not have, have any, it may be true, but it may not have anything to do. You don't know. So emotions are not necessarily truth, but what they really are, are indicators of what I believe about myself. Mm, I like that. Emotions Very true, right? are indicators of what I believe about myself. So if I believe that I have done the best that I can in taking care of the pet, um, I am not a vet. So I'm making this up, guys. So give me some. I'm, ri- I'm writing things down as you talk. So <laughs> okay. I, if I'm looking away, I'm listening. <laughs> okay. So to tell some um, people when they're on the podcast, I like to take notes. So yeah. I'm writing stuff down as you're talking. So um, you know, if I believe I know that I did the best and I am confident in my ability and who I am as a person, and this person is ranting at me and I am confident in me, it allows me to have a different level of compassion into reaching out to them rather than reactive. Okay. But if I am insecure in any way or depleted, could be another word. I am super depleted Hungry or tired or yes, I am more action, more out to be reactive instead of compassionate or responsive to, and being able, and the situation can escalate. Yes. Because of my, so if I just with grace and compassion, look at myself and say, wow, I handled that one. Not so well. What are those emotions indicating about what I believe about me? Do I need to take better care of myself? Do I believe such and such and such? Whatever it may be, but notice that my emotions are about me, just like the person, other person's emotions are about them. Yeah, and they own them. And they own them. And you can decide if you want to take them or not. Yes. Yeah. Someone on my podcast said that once and I thought it was so great. It's like, if someone tries to hand you their negative emotion, you don't have to take it. And I was like, oh, that's so, that's so true. I don't have to receive it as mine. I can be empathetic toward what they're going through, but it doesn't have to become and ruin my day. Um, I remember when I very first began to get this because if my husband had a bad day it had to be I was supposed to make it better somehow and the no matter what either, right I have that yep. tendency too I want to make everyone happy that's I want to make every you know I'm gonna make it all too. better especially mm-hmm. family you know it's like especially in the family setting and so I came to the realization after trying can I get you this can I get you that can I get you this and I'm constantly being snapped at and I said well you can have a bad day if you want, but I'm not. And I'm just like, I'm just like walking away. I'm like, I've done all I'm I can do. Take care of myself. Yeah. <laughs> I've done all I can do. You won't let me do anything more. If you want to be a grump, you go be a grump. You know, those days are rare, but we all have them. Right. And, yeah. and to me, and with any, any relationship in your yes. work, your workplace, your home, there's there, other people are going to have bad days, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it along with them. Yeah, I I one of the definitions for okay. me is love. Of love is giving people permission and allowance to have a bad day if they, if it if it happens and just allowing them to without making it about me. So those are two big things that can help us when we're dealing with stress and um 
being able to move through those kind of stressful situations. Another one I say is, did you want to ask questions before I keep no, going? Keep going. I'll okay. interrupt you. Okay. Question. All right. So, in, so, so <laughs> if I have um, a question, I'll jump on you. So don't, don't worry, just carry on. I'm, I'm interested and I'm writing them down. I have a program called choose joy. And one of the tips is realizing that I can, whatever I focus on is magnified. Whatever I um, give attention to is amplified. Mm-hmm. So if I, um, I'll, I'll use another story about marriage, if I may. Sure. Um, I have been married this year, 38 years. And so um, there's some longevity there. Um, and when I remember how insecure I was when we first got, when we first got married, I was super insecure. And of course, everything I had to make him happy and everything it wasn't happy was my fault and all, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And we're still married. So we worked through that. But one of the things he's gotten much better, but it used to be an issue is, is no matter how many times his socks could not get from his feet into the hamper, they would be on the floor, they would be in different places. And so I could do two, I, I did do two things. One thing is, is I pick up the socks and went, who does he think I am? I'm his maid. Why can't he even just put the socks in the hamper? I bet it, if he really loved me, he would put the socks in there. You made a big and story. All day, and all day long, I'm stewing about these stupid socks and he comes home and I'm mad. He doesn't know why I'm mad. Nope. And he asked me what's yeah, wrong as I slam the cabinet doors and say nothing. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's one scenario. The other scenario is, is I pick up the socks and put them in the hamper and think of all the things that he does to show me he loves me every day. And I think about that all day long. Now, when he comes home, we have a really different evening. <laughs> yeah. And you're, and you're not mad about this picking up the socks. And Which, so, you know, it's self-inflicted. I think, I think we forget that a lot of the anger that we're feeling, like, like you said before, it's our emotion. Mm-hmm. And, and when we think about things in that negative way, we're just causing bad days for ourselves. Well, one of the, the, the negative reaction was I had super low self-esteem and I was making the socks about me and it had nothing to do with me. Right. I know. And the other one was really true. I was looking at all the ways and admiring and and amplifying all of the ways that he really showed me every day that he loved me. Yeah. And, and, and the things that I admire about him and things like that. And so I get to choose what I'm amplifying. Right. And that's what we don't often, even the past two years we've lived through. We can choose to be focusing on what didn't happen, what shouldn't have happened, what, whatever, all, whatever people's take on it. Cause there's so many things in the past two years that have happened to change our lives that we can focus on what went quote wrong in our mind, or we can focus on the things that we're thankful for that we want to amplify. We get to choose joy by what we choose to continue to focus on. 
Yeah, and the same thing would be true in a veterinary scenario on our days and our clients. You know, we see 20 clients a day, 30 clients a day, whatever it is, and there might be one really cranky one or mm -hmm. one that, you know, doesn't like what we're telling them or whatever. We have one bad case and we have a tendency to want to focus on that. Right. So we have a bad day rather than all the other amazing things that happened. Right. And it's a really hard shift sometimes to, to make. So how, how would you recommend that someone makes that shift when they're in the midst of it and they, and they're feeling all those negative emotions and feelings um, to jar themselves out of it? Would be, would it be go to go back to the self-care to take a few minutes out? Like, how would you start to get out of that loop of negativity? Usually for me, it's taking a couple of deep breaths. It's just yeah, that simple. Feeling just as simple as taking a couple deep breaths yeah. and getting rid of that. It's hard. It's just new. Yeah. It's not hard, really, it's not, hard as a thought yes. that you don't hard. have to hang on to yes. just that. Yeah. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. I get, let's get rid of hard. The words that we use create our experience and it doesn't have to be hard just because it's new yeah. just because I haven't learned to do this. And the other thing is practice is on giving yourself grace on the days where you didn't do it. You, you, you stayed irritated all day long and go, okay, I'm learning from that. Right. And give yourself grace for those days. Cause we all have them. Every single one of us have those days. Yeah, and it, it's a difficult thing to teach yourself to practice these things and to try to see the positive and to stay in joy. And, and, and in a work environment, create that kind of environment. If you can, in your team, where you see someone beginning to get stressed that you have meetings ahead of time that you can put your hand on their shoulder or mention their name or whatever is appropriate and say, let's take a breath. Everything is going to be okay. And then it, it helps support each other in a team and work environment, right? That that be part of the culture that we are going to choose joy, if you will. Yes. Um, and amplify what, what has gone well. Um, and pray for, release, forgive the other people that are going to be grumpy, right. um, that are having a bad day and something didn't go right. I mean, some people, um, their pets are as important or as children and, and you know, they, they, and so, um, I don't know that mine are exactly important, but man, when they, when they pass, you're devastated. And yeah. so learning to be, and, and then I think it shocks us how much we're so <laughs> devastated. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you realize how much you love your pets until I don't. And I tell you the other day, oh my goodness, my older dog, Trent, he's getting old. And I was like, I don't know why, but I was thinking about, you know, how old he was. And, and then I started thinking about losing him and I, and I got all teary. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much I love that little dog. You know, he's such yep. a little being. So, yeah, I think, I think the amount of emotion that we have in our job is, is, um, heavy at times. And I think that's why we need a lot of these techniques more than some people, I should say, I know all humans need it, but our job particularly is a up and down of emotions mm -hmm. from minute to minute it can be really an emergency. It can be really slow. It can be happiness and sadness back to back. There's right. a lot of shifting of emotions going on. Right. So those are some tips for being able to, I mean, 
uh, I believe they're super simple, but like you said, they're not always quote normal or routine of what we've been used to, to be able to process them. But one of the huge one was, is that my emotions were indicators for me about me. Cause I know as a coach, we're always interested in personal growth. Of course. <laughs> and so learning the way, one of the other images that I have is they're the indicator lights on my dashboard that my tires low or my gas needs attention or, you know, or, you know, the oil needs to be changed. That's what emotions are as if you were a car, it's like, okay, something's up here that needs attention. Yeah. And clued, if, and if, you in. if you begin to pay attention to the emotions that are going on and your responses and, you know, slamming the doors and saying, everything's fine when clearly it's not okay. <laughs> when the actions and the words don't match. Right. In this So, um, but that one has been a big one for me and it is amazing. Just taking a breath and going, what am I going to focus on? Asking your question, what am I going to choose to focus on? Yeah. I love that. So the self-care, the, um, taking those short windows Mm -hmm. of opportunity to take care of yourself. I've even said to veterinarians, even if you just have to go hide in the bathroom for 10 minutes, Mm-hmm. You know, most people won't bother you in there once in a while, they'll mm-hmm. slide notes under the door, but usually <laughs> not. And so if you can just go in there and, you know, I, I always bring my toothbrush and toothpaste to work. So I'll brush my teeth and I'll, then I'll get a drink of water and I'll just kind of like put my lipstick on or whatever, just go in there and just kind of like center yourself. <sighs> yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take a couple of breaths and center mm-hmm. yourself. And then remembering that the emotions aren't true. I love that one. Yeah, that they're just, they're just your thoughts and they're not really the, the truth of the story. That's really cool. So tell me a little bit about um, adversity, because that's something you coach big on, right? That's one of your, your mm-hmm. major things that you focus on. Is it, would you consider adversity like deep trauma or more just incidents in your life that don't go the way you thought they would go or all of that? Is it all the same? I don't know. It's completely the same, but it is all of that. And I can't compare the mine to yours. Right. So, you know, whatever I went through, there is no comparison. It's your pain and it's my pain and it hurt. And that's what it it just comes down to. Um, But one of the, one of the keys for, in, in my turn your baggage into luggage um, program and workshops that I do is understanding when I say turning your baggage, baggage is all of the things I was talking about. I felt as a teenager, anger, shame, somebody needs to pay. This was wrong. This is not right. Why, why, why that big word? Why, me? That why, why, me? why, why did this happen? And, um, when all of that is going on, that's baggage thinking luggage thinking is, is I can't change this, but I'm going to use this to grow and become the best me I can be. I call the trauma, the losses, whatever it is, the adversity that we have encountered disappointments is another word 
because disappointments usually has grief attached to it. And we don't realize Mm -hmm. um, that losing a job, losing a home, losing um, all kinds of things, there's grief attached to it. It's not just death that causes grief. Right. And so realizing that and giving yourself grace and time. But part of the things is I began to recommend my clients is to look for the gift in the adversity, look for the gift in the disappointment. And I call those situations gifts wrapped in sandpaper. They're not pretty bows. They're not wrapped all lovely. They're like griming and gritting and rubbing us the wrong way, you know, even taking the skin off kind of a feeling. It's like, this is not fun, but there's a gift that we can learn no matter what we're facing. If we begin to search for it, since you like pets, I'll tell a story. You may have heard this and I can't remember where it came from. So now it's mine. If you will. Yeah. You adopt other people. Yes. Two, two kids were put in a room full of horse manure or mid some type of manure. And one little kid sat down over in the corner and just began to cry. My life stinks. It's full of, you know, you get the picture. And the other little kid knocked on the door and said, can I get a shovel? Like, why do you want a shovel? And she said, well, this much poop, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. (laughs) That's amazing. That's a good story. (laughs) And so that's what I mean is, is that there's a gift in there. Yeah, and it may be hard to find that attitude, right? Yes, it's learning to look for the gift of even in in those difficult patients that you're dealing with, even in the difficult coworkers or whatever situations in your personal life you may be dealing with. There are gifts that we can learn through the adversity. And when we begin to look for them, my shift changes from downward at my feet or inward but it looks out. Mm-hmm. It looks out oh, no. down the road. It looks out in the future. And just that perspective, I'll see things I didn't see before. Right. Because my perspective changed. And so you can miss the gifts when we don't look for them. Mm. So that's one of the main keys in rising above adversity, disappointments, p- difficult people, difficult relationships, um, and trauma and abuse, um, all of those things is beginning to look for the gift and know, and trust and know that there's a pony in there somewhere. Yeah. I love that. Well, and there's a lot of people that have suffered a lot of things in their past and, and rose above it or come out of it on the other side. So if they can see it as a gift, can they let go of what happened to them? Or is it, I'm remembering this, but I'm choosing not to let it hurt me any longer. Like is, how do you picture that? Like I picture it almost as building a wall. So you don't keep going back to the victim thinking, but how do you see that? Well, I have four steps that I usually share. And number number one, number one is to look for the gift. Number two is to keep a bigger picture in mind, to look down the road. That's number two. Number three is compassion and forgiveness. Okay. So it's not a wall. It's compassion and forgiveness. It's forgiving, not forgetting, but forgiving. Yes. Okay. It's um, 
And I've done multiple episodes, not just one with some people on what forgiveness is and what it isn't. So that one is a big topic, but suffice it to say, forgiveness is you for you, not for the other person. Yes. Unforgiveness is drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so learning how and how to really forgive and what that looks like and what the truth is behind it. But that is a big key. So it's not building a wall to it. It's healing. It's actually healing as if you had had uh-huh. surgery and you just, you can keep that wound open and just cover it with a piece of gauze and never stitch it up. Right. Or you, you can, can imagine what would happen to that. It just would right. never, it could be really nasty. <laughs> yeah. And you just keep mm-hmm. having problems from it. Right. If you think exactly. of it as a wound, it's just going to keep festering. If you don't yep. close it, it could get all infected and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And we just keep covering it up with gauze and pretending like it's not there. Yeah. Um, or we can actually get in there and take out what's broken, which is what forgiveness does and allow God to bring healing and receive healing through those kind of situations. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's an, a very important part. And the fourth part of that is get support. Don't yes. try to do it alone. When we are injured, we have a tendency to isolate. Um, I think we're only- the only ones. Yes. And we I think you're the only when one. you were going through what you went through because yes. you went through some terrible stuff that you thought you were the only one that yes. had experienced that. Yes. It's so untrue. It's so untrue. Mm-hmm. And so as I tell my story, more and more women go, yeah, that was me too. That was me too. And yeah. being able to, um, but yes. And so get support, get a coach, get counseling, get something, mm-hmm. but don't do it alone. That isolation thing, fight that. Um, it doesn't mean you want to share it with everybody, you know, right. Right. You want to share it with the wrong people. Yes. But you do want to get support. If you do those four things, no matter what happens to you, you can come out on top. Yeah. That's great. So tell me what it is you think about your experiences that help you to coach I mean, obviously you had to process it and go through it and and learn these techniques yourself. But then when, when you're coaching someone else going through this, what specifically about you going through the negative helps you? Does that make sense? And that might be a question. I, I think I understand. I don't know. I mean, it may help me, but it definitely helps the other person when I start saying, I felt this, I felt this, I felt this, I felt this Relation. like, and yes. And that, um, that camaraderie and pain, even <laughs> that I, it, we no longer feel alone. And that's yeah, one of the things group, that is, is, um, so, and, and then I have compassion. I can, I can relate to a lot of stuff, um, that someone who hasn't been what I threw would, would be having compassion but if they hadn't lived through it, it it's not understand the same. it. It's not okay. the same. It's not the same level of understanding. Yeah. So um, it's like I can um, kind of give an idea what it's like to be a vet, but I've not done that. So right. it's 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 not the same as as someone who's actually a vet, like you coaching vets, a veterinarians, because they you understand. 
completely yeah, what they're through. going through. Yeah. And so I, to me, that's what brings the component to coaching because whatever we coach on, we've been through. Right. And being able to bring that component to, um, I, I, we jokingly say when I meet with coaches that, you know, we're all here because we've been through stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth, right? Sometimes it's, I mean, we don't, we all become a coach. Yeah. Therapists have been through yes. therapy and yes. yeah, it's kind of weird because we don't, what we know. We don't, we don't become a coach because everything's been smooth sailing. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I, I really do think that's true. And I like, I like the fact that you not necessarily had to go through those experiences to relate to people that you coach, but that you're willing to use those experiences mm -hmm. to help them. And I think that that's really part of it, part mm -hmm. of probably part of your healing too, I would guess. Yes. Probably the more people you help get through their stuff helps you get through some more of your stuff. Yes. A lot of ways. Yeah. And that's really, really interesting and fascinating. So I had another question. I don't know if I can think of, think of it because it went into my head and out of my head. Um, when you were talking about looking for the gift, it kind of popped into my mind is if you're in a situation, in, in immediate situation of high emotion, mm -hmm. whether it's recent grief or whether you just lost your job, because I went through a job loss when I was younger. I got fired from my first uh, veterinary job, which is a is, was a traumatic thing. Um, anything like that, if you're in the emotion or, or you're in an exam room and a client is upset and yelling at you, can you look for the gift in that, or do you have to process all this emotion first before you can get to that point? You probably have to do some processing. Um, when someone is in the midst of uh, pain is understanding that you're bigger than the circumstances or bigger than the emotions. And if those thoughts can cross your mind when you're in the middle of it, um, and understanding it's like thinking thoughts when the person is screaming, if that's the case, somebody's upset in the, as a, as a patient and, and saying things that are hurtful, um, to you is asking yourself questions like, man, I really wonder what else is going on in this person's life that they're reacting so strongly. Yeah, that, that's and, a really good question to ask yourself to try to. And see. if you, instead of start thinking about how you're feeling with the emotions, it stops you from taking it personal. And I've started wondering, I wonder if this is the only thing, this pet's the only thing that they have. Mm -hmm. What if all their other relationships are, are faulting because of, well, because they have temper problem. Right. But, but this is all they have. And they're really scared of losing this pet. And I wonder what else is going on in their life. And it just gives you a level of compassion to understand that this isn't really about you. They're voicing their fears. And that also gives you vocabulary to speak to their fears. Yes. In a way that if you are like, 
I am not a bad doctor or whatever on the Because that's what your brain will say, right? Yeah, they're, you know. They're I mean, lying. That's not right. Like if you want to get defensive, you get tense. And then if I can just say, all right, just stay calm and listen. Just mm -hmm. keep listening. Just stay curious. Like that's the kind of stuff I tell myself. Yes. Just stay calm, figure out what the real problem is, you know, just kind of right. keep staying calm. And then mm -hmm. basically what you're saying is I wonder what else is going on. I wonder yes. why they're so upset. It's, it's surely not me. <laughs> and it's bigger than this because yes. usually there is, there is an overreaction to what yeah. circumstances. Yeah. It can't on. be just this. It can't be just yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. They're, when they overreact for and sure. So it helps you to be able to speak to maybe what's really going on as opposed to escalating it by getting defensive and when we do that, then we can help everything. The whole atmosphere of the office will be different. Yes. Yeah. I think that getting defensive is so hard not to do, but it's so key when you're in that kind of situation is trying not to take it personally and realizing that the emotion you're, you're trying not to buy into their emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Other than being compassionate, mm -hmm. that's really key. Yeah. That's good. What else do you have to teach us? <laughs> I'm enjoying this. You're teaching me some stuff. Mm. Well, I think if you do those things that I'd love to hear some feedback from the listeners on how, when you implement just, just those four or five things that we've talked about today. Yes. Um, sometimes we can get a whole, you know, do these 12 steps, just do the one. Yeah. You know, just do the two it's practice and, and actually put it into practice as opposed to me sharing a whole bunch of different things is just begin to put that into practice and watch how those little um, subtle changes, because if you're yelling and I will refuse to yell back at some point, you stop. Mm -hmm. that, that's for sure. You yeah, know, I've done that so many times with clients, I'll just keep, I'll just, I don't even have to say anything. Mm -hmm. I can just remain calm and just listen. Some eventually they run out of things to say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you can ask a question like, okay, I hear you. I, I hear what's going on now. What can I do to help you? Yes. You know? Because then it's like, oh, they're, they're all yelled out. And so just begin that. to implement these steps. And then I'd love to hear feedback on how things are going Beautiful. Um, from people. I have, I've, I have a lot more resources on my website. If you guys want to check it out. Yeah, definitely give me, well. your, give me your website address for sure. So people can hear it. It is the letter I vibrantliving.com. And on my homepage is a free book. So you can. Yeah. Tell me about your books it. real quick. Just a quick before we uh, my uh, latest book is called An Umbrella on a Sunny Day, and it is the theme of the book. The title of the book is coming from the idea that today it's sunny, but it always rains on me. So I'm going to bring my umbrella. Mm. It's waiting for that other shoe to drop. It's expecting something bad to happen without or as if I prepare for the worst, then it won't happen. I don't know about anybody. I've never to ask one person who's done that. Has it worked? Yeah. <laughs> so the umbrella on a sunny day is let's enjoy the sunshine. Yeah. And um, 
So it is my story. Um, I, I share about my story of my the teenage pregnancy and um, four keys to not to not prepare for the worst, how to how to rise above some adversities, other ones that I've shared today. And then it's also has some stories of other women sharing their stories of overcoming as well. Great. And that is absolutely free. And it's on my web, uh, my homepage. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely check it out for sure. So if anybody wants to learn more about Donna and what she does or read her books, you can go to her website, ivibrantliving.com. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anything else you want to share that we didn't talk about before we wrap up? Did I forget to ask something important? Um, just mentioned my podcast. Oh, yes. You, you mentioned in the beginning. It is yeah, called Tell us about that again. It's called You Were Designed for Greatness, and it is inspirational stories and tips of women overcoming. Um, and each podcast is about 15 minutes, so I keep them short so people can do short little inspirations. Nice. And um, it's, it's on all of the platforms, and it's called You Were Designed for Greatness. And my closing thoughts is, in case you haven't been told, you were designed for greatness, so live vibrantly. I love it. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've really enjoyed talking to you and meeting you. And hopefully um, we can do more together at some point. Sounds I'm definitely going to hit you up um, for your, your book. I'll have to go on your website and get it because I love that. All right. Have a beautiful week, everyone. And check out Donna. And thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll talk to you again next week. Bye, Donna. Bye, Julie. Thank you.